2: Plushcare.com slash weight loss. What's wrong
1: that? That's the second time it's gone on. They never got home, they never got home, they never got home, those
0: guys. Those, those That's. Yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Well, oh, you can laugh. Walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist. But having said that, I want to be like me. You
1: well, don't know what you're talking about. What well, do you know I'd like to you. stay alive for six I'd say it to your face, not say it to you, it oh, to you
2: now. Do you I'm, I'm down, down to field, field, field and we'll see them, won't What, what you doing down
0: here? You're showing me, man.
2: Hello and welcome to today's edition of the, tonight's edition, I should say, of the Irish Times Second Captains podcast, which is the football edition, which is coming to you a little earlier than usual.
0: Go on, Ken. Tell tell the people why it's why it's coming a little earlier than usual.
2: Well, the reason uh, that we're putting it out a little bit earlier is that tomorrow, which is the day that we'd usually be putting it on Monday, uh, I'm actually going to be on a plane for the uh, more trip.
0: holidays. No, doubt, is it, Ken.
2: Well, actually, work on this occasion, Caron. Um, I'm uh, I'm going over to the United States
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, to uh, to see uh, a little event on Saturday featuring uh, a young fighter by the name of Conor McGregor.
0: Ah, right. Okay. And uh, he has a new opponent. It doesn't matter. Uh, he, John Kavanagh and himself have both told us there is no opponent.
2: There is no opponent. That was what it said. Now, I mean, from the point of view of people who've bought pay-per-view and, you know, tickets and flights and all that kind of thing, maybe they actually would have liked to see a world title fight rather than an interim
0: maybe, maybe, title fight. Yeah, well, maybe not, actually. No? You know, I mean... Well, obviously, I mean, any sane reading of the situation would be to be disappointed that, <laughs> that the, uh, you know, the, the, the winner-takes-all bout that you were, that you were uh, hoping to attend is now not quite that, in that you're fighting for a belt that isn't actually the belt.
2: No, it's just a made-up, imaginary belt. Mm. Um, it's not really it's not a belt at all. I mean, I, they, I, I, they may have a physical belt, which will be presented to the winner uh, at the end of the fight. I, I to be honest, don't know.
0: That's why you're going to Vegas, to find out the the answer (laughs) to that and some other questions.
2: Some other questions, yeah. I've never been there before, so I'm interested to see what it's like. Apparently, it's a place a lot of people like to go on holidays, you know. 22% of the tickets at the MGM uh, Grand Arena apparently have been sold to Irish people. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know if that's ever happened before.
0: Uh yeah, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have thought so. I mean Brian McGriggan fought in a car park back in nineteen eighty six. I mean I don't know how many tickets were sold for that. Yeah. Um, probably not three and a half thousand or so. But either way, an an Irish invasion and you will be there reporting on uh I love the various Irish. atrocities. I love <laughs>
2: Irish invasions. Yeah. Uh the you know, the who could forget Poznan? Who could Sobot. forget Sopot? Who could who could forget uh Pig Al Paris two thousand and nine? for for some reason or another the ireland fans in paris uh, before that uh, game which will live in infamy uh, had decided to set up their uh, field camp uh, on the sort of um, the, the the traffic island uh, directly outside the moulin rouge <laughs> <laughs> that was for some reason they were drawn uh, to that particular location in paris to uh, to i suppose drink on the street is really what they were mm. doing so that was the smaller irish invasion um, i mean uh, Paris 2004, of course. Mm. Who, could, who could forget that one? That one, um, that wasn't even... In, uh, so, you know, it's a, it's a proud history, uh, Kieran, of these types of things. And uh, another one uh, in Las Vegas on Saturday. So we, we'll be talking about that, I think, on our certainly on our Thursday show and probably on our Monday show next week. Um, but in the meantime, there is still uh, the tiniest uh, little piece of uh, football toothpaste to be squeezed out of the <laughs> rolled-up... A tube of the twenty And the tube games. is looking is looking
0: very woebegone at this stage. It is, I yes. mean, it's been folded over many, many times. Yeah. Someone might even have got the... Have you, have you seen people get the scissors to it? Like, forget the nozzle altogether. The nozzle has got nothing for you now.
2: I don't believe people still do that in a modern consumer society.
0: Well, Ken, we're doing the equivalent of that with the 2014-2015 football season. Okay. But, I mean, well, we do have a pretty big game to, to talk about. And uh, there's a big game on tonight in the Women's World Cup that, that we will actually talk about uh, in tomorrow, Monday's uh, edition of the show. But last night was kind of grimly fascinating, the Cup of America final.
2: It was a really, a really horrible, horrible, horrible sporting event. Is this the report on sport, by the way? I guess it might as well be. So it was a really, really horrible thing to watch, this uh, Copa America, so-called Copa America final. We're going to talk to Tim Vickery about it uh, a little bit later on and get some of his impressions about the winners, surely, and what happened with Lionel Messi. I mean, I was watching um, Messi and the the statistics last night, you know, uh, 63 touches is lowest in normal time, and then he mentioned mentioned the Copa. I mean, I think it was summed up really by a moment in the first half when uh, Gary Medell showed... How to deal with Lionel Messi. There's mm. a couple of ways of dealing with him. You there's can stand a, back.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I would, I would say that there's, you know, that there's a lot of tactical work that you, you can do on the training ground. You yeah. know, have people holding, you know, sort of uh, bands, you know, to ensure that the, the unity in the defense is yeah. kept at all times. Make meters. sure that there, there are no gaps between defenders. Or you can brutally kick him in the midriff. Yeah. And, Just walk know, up give... and
2: kick him in the guts.
0: Yeah, and uh, see how he see how he likes it.
2: <laughs> uh, Messi, not so good. It turns out when you kick, you know in the immediate aftermath of getting kicked really hard in the in the stomach by a defender. <clears throat> Mandel mentioned that staying in the field, you know, it was his his home hometown. Uh, well, I don't know if he's actually from Santiago, but certainly playing for the hometown team uh, always these things are looked on like maybe a little more kindly, and he. Uh, uh, maybe you know it's not as though he's the first guy to ever think of kicking Lionel you know, Messi, but the match generally was just such a bad-tempered, uh, violent, mean-spirited, posturing sort of uh, stop-start thing. You know, Messi is like a guy trying to trying to weave his way through a bar brawl, holding a tray of drinks. You know, <laughs> I mean, he, and there was a couple of moments when he actually did, I mean, right in the very end, for instance, Messi in the in the last minute gets the ball. Not maybe not the very last minute gets the ball. Uh, uh, he's beaten a man in midfield he's now uh, coming forward in a sort of a three on three he plays a beautiful pass into the path of Lavezzi. a bit perfect a computer generated pass straight into the, where Lavezzi needs it to be Lavetsi is a little bit more human than everybody else so his pass then across to the far post um, where he can see Higuain uh, approaching is not quite as perfect it's maybe a little bit too far in front of Higuain. Uh, it's a little bit further ahead than where he'd like it for it to be absolutely perfect for tap-in. However, frankly, this is still a chance that Higuain should score in the last minute of a cup <laughs> final. All you see is tapping it in from a yard, yeah. and he manages to put it into the side netting.
0: The angle, the angle was against him. On the other hand, the distance required <laughs> was for the for kick him. was, you know, six inches. So, mm. you know, the angle is one thing, but... Really, you know, I would be I would be asking for just a little bit more, you know, accuracy from my striker there.
2: He just looked, I mean, and then he obviously had the, had a penalty, which was just an atrocious penalty. He was one of the guys, Banega, uh, also missing for Argentina. Um, he kind of looked out of source and I kind of was thinking, all right, I'm, immediately once the final was over, you know, people saying, talking about, I saw Pat Nevin. Pat Nevin was on uh, the Satanta coverage, you know, mm. with, with Sam Allardyce and uh, he was a Danny, Danny Mills, Mills yeah. and um, Nevin was saying look you know I keep trying to tell myself it doesn't matter but I can't ignore the fact that you know here once again a final he's just pff, Lionel Messi hasn't done it and I'm thinking Higuain hasn't done it Ezekiel Levetti hasn't done it Mascherano has lost all these Copa America finals why does nobody ever kind of say I suppose nobody is, is, is bigging these guys up as being the you know the best player in history um, is, is probably the easy answer uh, to that one, but you know, at the same time, I think that Lionel Messi uh, played pretty well in the Copa America. I don't think that the fact that he didn't manage to win the final for this mm. team is a is a really. But you know, we'll get we'll get onto that. I, th- I think with Team Vickery to see if maybe the Argentinians. I hope I would like to think that in Argentina they have started to uh, realize that this is important to him. I mean, I, I remember hearing a colleague uh, at, the, at the World Cup make everyone at the table angry by saying well Leo Messi's not Argentinian he's not Argentinian he's in Catalan and uh, everybody was oh you know how can you say such so a thing but you know they all uh, I mean I think there has been that attitude towards him in Argentina and I would like to think that maybe having seen what he did for them in this tournament that maybe they might uh, just having seen how emotionally involved he was in the success or failure of the team that maybe that's that's starting to change but Chile are obviously the champions another little team uh, first time champions um, you know, we had uh, Johnson Wilson uh telling us the other day, you know, they've only got like two two songs or three songs in the stadium. It's not like a country with a with a huge tradition of successful football teams, mm. you know, it's not really that type of uh country.
0: They just kept replaying the national anthem in the stadium last night, from what I could uh tell, yeah, uh, just over and over again. <laughs> uh, and I know you love national anthems, yes, South American
2: national anthems, especially. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, you know. It's a, you kind of look at a team like that, and you always feel a little bit envious, you know, from an Irish point of view. Why are they able to do it, and we can't? And you know, you see a country like Uruguay; it's a smaller country than Chile, um, a smaller population. Again, is able to do it, and then you remember that actually, the thing about these things is not just that you've got a guy like Madel um, who is there. I mean, there was an amazing shot of him at the end with the camera. I don't know if you saw it. The camera was on the on the pitch of yeah. Is there at the stand? And then he turns around and he's like, "Oh, vamos, vamos," you know. And then he he's
0: salivating,
2: screams, yeah, yeah. screams into the, you know, Campion America or whatever. And he's the the, the spittle is flecking all over the camera. like it's just flowing from his mouth. He's actually frothing like a rabid dog, you know. So you've got desire,
0: yeah, desire. There, there's no question about the lad's desire. You've got,
2: you've got, you've got desire. <laughs> froth-mouthed, rabid desire yeah. of the type that is so rare in international people these days. But you've also got Alexis Sanchez.
0: He was brilliant, wasn't he? Yeah. And he was, he was, I thought, the best player in the pitch by a mile. If I was an Arsenal fan watching that, I'd be like, wow, like, yeah. we have the best player in the Cup of America at the moment. This yeah. guy looks absolutely brilliant.
2: And scoring a penalty, everybody immediately on Twitter saying the same thing. It, it just reminded everyone of the same word. The same word came to everyone's mind and the word was Balls. Balls. balls balls yeah look at the balls on this guy um and then it
0: was like yeah uh, i know we're, this might be a bit of a tangent but remember when Porter carrington won that golf tournament in like march in hmm. Doral wasn't it was it Doral? Um, okay, the, the tournament he won on the USPGA Tour. Literally everyone on Twitter was just writing about his testicles for like an hour. I Did mean, they whatever. say
2: testicles when it was Harrington? No, it was balls. Oh, it was balls, it was, okay. Cajones. wasn't like a more genteel terminology no, because it was no. Project Harrington as opposed to Alexis Sanchez.
0: No, no, no. It, was, it got to the stage where it was just... Sh- it was ridiculous. I mean, it wasn't like oh, the people who are watching this are all talking about Pedro Carrington's balls. It was every single person on Twitter, whether they were watching the thing or not, were what balls on Pedro Carrington? And I mean, after a while, it, got, it it was a little, it was a little disconcerting. A little weird, you know? yeah. yeah. I mean, just balls, just wall-to-wall balls. Can well, what is it
2: about those things that uh, make people think? But you know, it. You know, the point being that he is he is a really class player. He's a world-class player, and it's. It's a bit easier for a team. Well, no, I wouldn't say it's a bit easier, but maybe the thing about these teams, these kind of hardworking teams of limited players, you can maybe even add Holland to that. Holland from the from the uh, you could add Argentina to that.
0: Mm.
2: I mean, Argentina, I suppose, they are supposed to have you know great players, Aguero, and Di Maria, and so on and so forth. But you know, really, it's one great player that they've got um, that gets them to these finals. Um, and that can really make all the difference uh, I think in international football maybe not so much in football but, you know you look at Uruguay it's the same with uh, Luis Suarez um, Holland maybe with Arjen Robben um, that if even if the rest of your players are quite mediocre you know, as long as they're organised and hard working and doing all that kind of thing one great player as well can make a difference that's the bit that we need to mm. work on I think here yeah, somehow. <laughs> wait to just play the waiting game. and think gives our solution to no. that.
0: Okay, well, we we'll, we'll see how that develops for us as well. Um, wait for the Alexis Sanchez of Ireland to to come to fruition.
2: I didn't see if anyone was talking about the balls of the England uh, uh, women's team who have finished third in the world uh, penalty again, the fifth penalty in five matches. Um, no, the fifth penalty in three matches. I should say the fifth. <laughs> Every, everybody there was everybody was getting a penalty in the semi finals of the Williams World Cup but also in the third place match. England uh, beat Germany and their coach um, then um, was essentially saying what we need to do is uh, he says, I hope teams have seen something that makes someone in the club stand up and say, why aren't we supporting women's football? Why haven't we got a women's team? Why don't we have a women's youth development section? Imagine it was the case for all 92 football league clubs. where well, we'd see a change then, wouldn't we? Um... They're sixth in the world, but he pointed out after the match that there are more registered players in the state of New York than there are in the whole of England. It's pretty incredible, I suppose. Wow. Uh, um, it just kind of un- underlines maybe the uh, the fact that the United States are the giants of this game. Uh, by the time, probably by the time you're hearing this, they'll be either playing Japan or have uh, lost Japan or defeated Japan. We'll talk about that on, in, the, uh, in the other program, how that uh, went in the end. Uh, but still streets ahead of England a third uh, for them a pretty good outcome so we'll talk about the the match anyway there's a couple of other of these kind of close season stories one of them involving Slavin Bilic um,
0: West Ham are in action already
2: yeah <laughs> they <laughs> they uh, won 3-0 against Lusitanos of Andorra um, Slavin Bilic allowed Academy Director Terry Westley to take charge of this one uh, prompting an angry outburst from the Sitanos boss Xavi Rura, who says, I think he felt we weren't important enough for him to be there. Um, so, essentially, that...
0: Yeah, that'd be bad. <laughs> that would be my reading of the situation also.
2: I imagine that he has won many titles. Maybe he thought he was the special one. He is the West Ham coach, so I expected him to be on the bench. Slavin Bilic, the special one, should come to Andorra. The minimum thing I can hope for is that this won't happen again. Bilic, uh... Is not having any of that. This is what he said. He said, "I don't want to disrespect anyone, and especially not a football team from Andorra." Said Slevin Bilic, with, I think a, a tone, a slight, just a subtle note of irony Mm. in his comments there. I think he is showing flagrant disrespect. He says, "I wanted to show respect to Terry. He coached this team. He took them for pre-season in Ireland, and he knew knew them all well." Um, Apparently, Bilic did uh, give a, a speech to the boys in the dressing room at least. Um, the manager and the chairman um, apparently did this, and so that would be, I guess, uh, Sullivan or Gold and Bilic. Um And according to Wesley, he said, they said, wear these shirts with pride and honor. Well, the actual quote is, wear these shirts with pride and some honor. You were following some outstanding players. Jeff Hurst, Bobby Moore, Frank Lampard, Rio Ferdinand. It's time for you to create your legacy. The manager did that speech. He was very respectful for the game. So, Rio Ferdinand played for West Ham United for, like, three seasons in the Premier League. Did he Did he even manage quite that many? Four, maybe? Hmm. Um, he certainly left them in, what, 2000
0: to join Leeds?
2: Uh, but, you know, and, and Lampard was a man who was...
0: Your fans hate these two players. Now go out and respect their memory. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know if they do hate Rio... Did they, I don't know if they did, but they definitely hated Frank Lampard at the time he left. And in fairness, every time he went back there with Chelsea, you know, he was delighting and giving mm, you know giving them, it to them. He really, really was. So, um, I don't know. Village um, though, I suppose Village probably played with them. Uh, so maybe he uh, he's coming at it from a different angle, he could say. Uh, just uh, one other thing is that Robin Van Persie may be...
0: Florian Raduccio has worn this jersey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's... Uh, they, I mean, he may Marco have to up- Boogers. Yeah, he may have to update his references slightly, but nevertheless.
2: Van Persie may be uh, playing uh, for Fenerbahce pretty soon. Apparently, personal terms already agreed between him and them. Um, so, it, it kind of all seems to have ended... Well, we don't know yet whether he's going to necessarily move, but it seems as though if he's happy to move and match the you know, happy with the fee he will be out of there and it all kind of went fell fairly flat for him at the end I mean I feel I feel a little sad about this and especially talking to you Colin because you are or rather he is the player I think that you could have been if you'd had
0: <gasps> Yeah, you're absolutely right
2: just actually, a little yeah. more
0: I mean if, if only someone had well see it goes, it goes back to the FBI development uh
2: well, look. You um, were. You know I mean, you, like, was f- how you were, did
0: I slip through the net? Ken, that's the big question. You I'm were asking.
2: failed by by a failing system. I mean, obviously, I'm not talking about the system that's in place now, mm. but you know, back in the back in the day,
0: where was my Vim Coovermans, my rude doctor? Ken? Where
2: was your Where were the rude doctors and the and the Coovermans uh, when you were uh, kicking a ball around? We you know if you had a bit more personality, toughness of character, heart, desire, will to win. Talent. And footballing building.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, but, I mean, I think you have them all there. Pretty much sure. Basically, he's he enjoyed uh, thwacking a ball extremely hard with his left foot. Yeah, and that's the only part of the game that I can derive any any real joy from.
2: Well, you have a similar, I'd say, a similar to sort of the body shape and obviously left footed, and that's what, that's essentially what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's why that's why you're the Robin van Persie, the closest thing to Robin van Persie I have played football with. Um.
0: So, but never, yeah. But I mean, it's it it would it, it's So I mean, his failing reflects badly. Is basically, you, you see, basically he's coming back to me. Is he's that what he's you're, is regressing that what you to your level. Yeah,
2: both of you there. Uh, no, I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever say that about Roman Vers. I mean, he. I, I wonder though. He, I mean, you described it as his failing. I mean, it's not necessarily his failing. Is it maybe just his 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 life cycle uh, has been complete? I mean, Alex Ferguson sort of Sir up for the short term. He was never going to be around, you know, a man for all seasons or many seasons. He mm. was kind of a man for one season, the 2012-2013 season quite specifically, Ferguson's last season. And he did the did everything he was supposed to do. He only did it once, but maybe that was enough. I mean, I don't know. I, I think with Van Persie, he probably should have stayed with Arsenal. I think, you know, he could have gone to Arsenal and said, look, give me a vast... They probably would have paid him what he was getting from Manchester United. Yeah. I mean... And then he would have had the, you know, I think maybe the status. I mean, I don't I don't even know if he's really looked at that fondly by Manchester United fans. Obviously, Arsenal supporters maybe in a few years' time will remember his goals for them as opposed mm. to the fact that he left them for Manchester United. But I don't know if even Manchester United fans think really all that much of him. You know?
0: Well, I, w- I would say that, uh, you know, you kind of have to put in the years for, you know, true... Legendary. I mean, and what you're talking about is, you know, whether the guy is regarded as one of the great players of the of Manchester United's history. And I don't think there's any doubt, but that he is not. He's not. No. He's not anywhere like that. But I mean, one brilliant season to win a league that really, with the squad of players of Manchester United, have they should never have won. Yeah. I mean, I think that that certainly it carries cachet. If
2: only that could be. If only that could be put down by the 2012, 2013. That um, you know, wherever it's listed, if there was a little star, and then they said, By the way, Manchester yeah. United wouldn't actually have won this title if it hadn't been for Van Persie. Because the way that it is, is that he's just a guy who came along and he's one of this endless procession of league titles. And there have been so many players who played bigger parts than he managed to. Well, I mean, not necessarily in an individual season, mm. but a lot of players have been kind of bigger figures in the history of Manchester United just by sticking around longer.
0: Yeah, he was so good that season that I, that I actually thought United had a better chance to win the Champions League than they had for quite a number of years in that season because he was so good that in the tight games that United were losing in Europe just because they didn't have like just a stellar, brilliant Cristiano Ronaldo type who could do something brilliant and win games that maybe they didn't deserve to Van Persie was that good in that season Um he was good enough to, to have, have Actually gotten them Quite a distance In the Champions League If If, if, if he had gotten The help that he That he, that he needed You know the point I'm trying to make basically if
2: he hadn't uh, Screwed uh, Screwed that shot wide Against Real Madrid In the uh, away match Do you remember that? Yes It's one of the things That lives in my head Van Persie 10 yards out At the Bernabeu Manages to dribble The ball wide When he's been yeah. Smashing them in From this type of position <sighs> Anyway Listen, uh, I think the two is pretty much all gone now, so uh, <laughs> we're gonna um, we're gonna wrap this up, uh, uh We're gonna put away our nail scissors, throw the two halves of the two base tree with the bin, and uh, come back in a second with Tim Victory. Flame hair,
1: a flame a hair, hair truth, flame truth, Mister Early.
2: Every so often, I'm on the bus and I suddenly turn around to bite someone. John Hayes, I'm talking about. I'm yeah. John Hayes. Now, I always thought that was ridiculous. He had won the victory over himself. He loved Brendan Rogers.
1: That's where it comes from. Thanks a lot, Pepe. How much do you give a
0: fuck? Fair to say, anybody could have managed those guys? No, of course not. Let me show you right now. For you, give it up.
2: Tim, uh, it was an amazing victory for Chile. First-time winners of the uh, Copa America. Um, how, how did you enjoy yourself in Santiago last night?
1: Um, well, if uh, if I hear another Chile fan outside my hotel window sing Chichi Le Viva Chile, I'm not sure I'm going to be responsible for my actions. Um, but it, it, you can't begrudge them a victory. They were the side who scored most goals in the championship. I was very disappointed in the final, though. I, I, I really had hopes of two attack-minded sides Two teams who go forward better than, than they defend, going at each other, and a real great spectacle where the individual stars would shine, and they didn't really on either side. It was a, it was I thought I thought it was a dis- disappointing final, um, but impossible to begrudge the fact that at last the Chileans have got something to put in that trophy cabinet.
2: Well, finals are always a bit disappointing, really, aren't they? I mean, what was I can't remember the last time I saw a really exciting final where both teams uh, played to their uh, their potential. Uh, are Chile even really? Uh, that attack-minded, or that creative side, or, or just um, uh, you know a, a bunch of hardworking guys with a great sense of collective purpose, and uh, you know a, a brilliant player in Alexis Sanchez.
1: Well, they, they do throw a lot of players forward, uh, and, and Chile in full flight. I think are one of the finest sights in national team football because they th- they're throwing so many men forward and, and, and going at such pace. The man on the ball has so many options to to, to play a pass. And they can be dazzling and have been dazzling at times during the uh, d- during the, 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 the tournament. I agree entirely with what you said about finals, but I was hoping that this might just be the one that broke the mould. And unfortunately, it wasn't to be.
2: The success of uh, a team, whether at Global International level in the last few years, tends to lead to a lot of praise of all the off-field guys. Maybe it's just they sort of flock forward to claim credit. But, I mean, I can think of, say, the French national team, which led to, you know, Gerard Houdier getting quite a lot of work and, you know, for his work at Clairefontaine and so on. Um, you could say the German national team, uh, Barcelona, maybe most obviously, uh, even Belgium more recently. Always when a team succeeds, people start talking about the system and how the system uh, led inevitably to this uh, on-field success. Um, I don't know what you think of that whole idea in principle, but I wondered in the specific case of Chile, is there anything uh, that systemic that we can praise about them? Is, is, is this success in any way the result of an inevitable process that's taken years to, to come to this point?
1: Well, it's it's probably the result of playing at home as, as much as anything else. However, I, there is something to, to praise about Chile. I remember on the first time I was here, it was for a tournament at the start of 2004, and I, I spoke to... Elias Figueroa, um, still probably the greatest all-time Chilean player. His career spanned the World Cups from 66 to to 82. He was a great defender. And he told me then, you know, he said, the problem with, with football in Chile, we've never had an identity. We've never really been sure about what we are. There have been times when we tried to copy Argentina or Germany or Brazil. We've never been us. I think that started to change in 2007 when Marcelo Bielsa was appointed. Now, Marcelo Bielsa, from Argentina, former national team coach of Argentina. And he has a method of play, very influenced by by Holland, where he wants to play high tempo, high intensity in your half of the field. He wants to attack. The conventional fullback is a waste of a player. He wants both of his wide defenders attacking at the same time. He wants to create two against one situations down the flanks. And this just seemed to work with Chile. Where with Argentina, Bielsa had always been swimming against the tide. Because there was no place, for example, in Bielsa's Argentina for Riquelmi, foot-on-the-ball playmaker in the classic Argentine style. He didn't have a place for that. He wanted more intensity. But with Chile, he was working with a blank canvas. And that identity thing really, really worked. And that's been carried on by the current coach, Jorge Sampaoli, who is uh, a self-confessed Bielsa devotee. So that, that, that I think, has been one of the, the key narrative lines in, in South American football, I think, over the last decade. Chile finding an identity, a method of play, and that they've been true to it. No matter who they've played, no matter where the game has been played, they have tried to attack and tried to impose themselves on the game. They weren't 100% capable of doing it against Argentina because they were they're up against a rival who were probably better than they were. Um, the, the, the Argentina coach, Gerardo Martino, he said after the game, he, he said on balance he thought his side deserved to win on 120 minutes. I only disagree with him on one point. I think Argentina probably deserved the 90 but extra time, Chile kept going better than Argentina did, and that that that's part of of the uh, of the high tempo physical preparation that has that has gone into uh, this Chile success story.
2: I wonder, Tim, um, about Marcelo Bielsa. I saw some people last night on Twitter. Well, I saw for one person in particular was Jimmy Burns, who wrote a book about Maradona years back, and in the course of some comments about Messi, you know, this is why he you know he hasn't matched up to what Maradona did. Um, he mentioned there's only one man for this Argentina team, Bielsa. And I thought, well, they already had Bielsa. It didn't really work out. But his stock, in a way, seems to be so much higher now than it was back in 2002. I mean, he's, he's almost this mythical figure now in world football. There's this sort of inspiration to Guardiola. Uh, you know, he's kind of um, a celebrated figure, whereas in 2002, I guess in Europe at least, he was... He was comparatively more of an of an unknown. Do you see uh, Argentina maybe turning back to him? Is he has he completely shot his bolt in terms of his home country's uh, national team? Which, to be fair, um, seems like it could do with it with a really good coach.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. That, that, that's an intriguing one. Um, it, it is, and Bielsa is the the, the coach that that has inspired a, a thousand careers. More important, I think, for the the divagation, uh, the, the spread of an idea than for any, any, anything that he, he necessarily has won. I feel a little, little bit sorry for him with the 2002 team because uh, you there in, in Europe, you didn't see how good it was. Um, that team in qualification for that World Cup were exceptional. That they, they managed to, to, to have a, a kind of union between Argentine technique and European intensity. The, 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 the 2002 World Cup was a very, very strange World Cup anyway. It was, it was held earlier than usual. Um, after a European season which had been extended longer than usual because of the, the extension of the Champions League. And, and almost everyone who played the European season in that, in, in, in that World Cup had a terrible time just because no one had, had any gas left in the tank at all. Apart from Brazil, I think one of the key aspects that, that won Brazil that World Cup was physical preparation. I think they, they were ahead of, uh, of, of, of the pack in 2002 as well as the individual genius that they had up front and the likes of Cafu and Roberto Carlos were were bombing up and down the flanks after having played the same European season as everyone else but Argentina were, were, were totally out of gas and in order to play that style you must be able to run for the 90 minutes so and that that, that, that that is absolutely necessary so perhaps um, because of what happened in 2002 Bielsa is uh, maybe had a, had a kind of credibility problem in Europe. It's a shame that you didn't see how good the side were, um, that, that that qualified. What the future holds for him, I don't know. I mean, Diego Simeone would would certainly see himself as a future Argentina coach. That's a very very different philosophy altogether from 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 Bielsa. So uh, interesting times, but I think for the short term. I think Gerardo Martino will, will, will be in charge and he'll be in charge until the next World Cup unless they do very, very badly in, in, in qualification. Important, I think, now for Argentina is that, remember, they took a very experienced squad here. Um, no, no experimentation, no, no youngsters being brought along for the ride, nothing no, uh, nothing like that. It'd be important for Argentina, the Olympics next year, to blood some young players into the process and maybe if this, uh, this centenary Copa America does go ahead in the States, in June 2016, then I think Argentina will take a young side there and try and and, um, push push some, some young players through. Because uh, you know there are a few in this team. You know you wonder if Tevez has an international future. Martino doesn't seem to trust him very much. De michelis is just about to retire from from international football. Mascherano at the moment is is uh, he doesn't even want to think about whether he's going to carry on or not. He's he's had too much heartache with Argentina. So uh, some in- interesting times to come, I think, for the Argentina side.
2: Messi obviously tonight again, uh, losing another final. Um, you know. I don't know what you what you think of it now, Tim. I mean, it, it used to be um, said of Messi uh, that in Argentina they kind of felt, well, you know, is this guy even really Argentinian? You know, he seems to show all his best stuff for Barcelona. Uh, it seems to me that, that that must have changed. I mean, surely it must have changed by now, um, although he didn't produce it in the final. His performances in the tournament up to the final, I thought, were sensational. I mean, is he... Has he has his kind of position? Although he hasn't managed to win anything yet with Argentina, win anything at senior level with Argentina? Um, is, have they sort of taken him to their hearts? Maybe a little bit more at this point.
1: No, I think a, a lot. Uh, he's getting a lot of criticism really? in Argentina. Um, getting a lot because he hasn't done it in a, in, in the final. <laughs> so um, <laughs> they, they no, they're never uh, going to get to the final. L- they're never going to
2: get to a final without him. I mean, I I, I, no, I agree. Mean, I agree. So, I, I agree.
1: Yeah. You wonder with this when Argentina's leaders, leading sports paper today is saying that this is a case for a, for a, the, the psychologist's couch. Um, I wonder if it's it's one for the, the physiotherapist's room more because he he, he did seem very heavy legged and it, it was a little bit. I, I thought the final from an Argentine point of view was Groundhog Day. Um, it was a World Cup all over again. You know the individual stars running out of steam, Di Maria breaking down, Messi unable to sustain the level of performance that he's had during the tournament and, you know, Higuain, the chance falling to Higuain just as it did in the World Cup final. Now, had Higuain taken his chances in the World Cup final, and the one right at the end of, uh, of normal time in the Copa America final, there'd be no discussion about Messi at all. You know, he'd have won all of these trophies. Uh, and uh, so when uh, when Higuain blasted his penalty over the bar in the shootout, Messi kind of turned his back on him. And uh, you, you, can, you can understand why.
2: Yeah. I mean, to me, I mean, I, watched, I saw that moment actually when Higuain, and it was such an awful penalty as well, is the kind of you'd, you'd imagine the teammates, while you're supposed to feel sorry for a teammate who's made a mistake like that, you can imagine a lot of them were also pretty angry with a teammate who would make such a mess of such an important kick, but you know, uh, having watched Messi also, in the, the, they showed footage of him during the previous penalty shootout. Um, the passion for the result, the the his, you know, he really seemed bound up in what was happening there. It wasn't as though he was watching, you know, disinter- disinterestedly thinking, "Oh, when can I get back to Barcelona?" It seemed to me throughout this tournament, this was really important to him to win this. I can't believe um, that having effectively got the team to the final. He's still taking criticism at home, I find that astonishing
1: yeah, but this is this is a part of the world where results are everything, and um, it's hurting them you know it, it's now twenty two years without a senior title, and it's going to be at least another three until until they have another chance, unless this kind of quite bizarre centenary cop America does go ahead next year. <laughs> So you know it's getting it's getting longer and longer and longer, uh, and, uh, and and part of the thing of, of of South American football is you know you build your idols up to knock them down a little bit. And Pele suffered from this in Brazil. You know I mean, there were there were years when uh, when Pele was uh, even you know before the seventy World Cup, which was his great kind of comeback um, to world class football. Um, there, there were times there in Brazil where, where where people were were writing him off. They can be very very cruel to to their idols in South America.
2: What is your opinion of it then, Tim? Because the fact is, he has uh, been in two finals in the last couple of summers, and he hasn't performed. I mean, that is that that is the truth. I mean, okay, whatever you say about his performance in tournament up to 10. he didn't do it ultimately in the final. He didn't win the game for his team, as we've seen him do hundreds of times. Is is that a is there something else going on there beyond the sense of you know, maybe his maybe his limit is five or six? Uh, five, maybe his limit is five games in you know four weeks after a long season, as opposed to six or seven.
1: I think that that's probably the, the the largest part in it uh I bet he probably wishes now that he was born four years earlier because you know if if that World Cup in Qatar does go ahead kind of November December time you know that that's a time when uh, the players won't be suffering from from end of season burnout. Um, but that's clearly a problem for him, and and clearly a problem, certainly for Argentina stars last year, and I think also also in the final. Um, and this was the level of performance. I think one problem that they have as well is the lack of defensive pace, um, which forces the centre backs to defend quite deep. And if if that team were a little bit more compact, I think it would be easier for for the football to flow. Um, so they are they are even though they've got an embarrassment of riches up front. There's still an imbalance there because you know that that lack of defensive pace. I think they really, really suffer from that. Um, with, with quicker defenders, they'd, they'd be more compact. It would be easier for them to dictate the flow of the game. And I, th- I found it astonishing that uh, you know, and Chile went. They started with a back three, and and all of those back three players are, are midfielders, and all of them got booked in the first half. And a couple of them got booked for, for midfielders kind of tackled when you're going on the wrong side. The thing that you can't, really can't do is, as, as a defender. And I thought there at halftime, I thought there is no doubt that Argentina will be able to get one at one or, or maybe even two of these players sent off. They, they will be able to put them under pressure. And that pressure never materialised. And I think one of the reasons for that is the defensive line is too deep because they're slow, because they don't really trust their, 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 their pace when they're being launched against, against Alexis Sanchez. I think that that's an absolute urgency for Argentina to come up with some quicker defenders.
2: Uh, just it's a, it's going to only be a footnote in this final team, but it was something I was really puzzled by last night, and I haven't. I haven't maybe the answer is known to everyone; is really obvious. Uh, who's over there? But Carlos Tevez sitting at the the whole game. I thought, what is going on here? You have a player like Carlos Tevez, I, mean, I can't understand why he's not in there. Was there was there a bust up? Was there an injury? Um, uh, I really couldn't couldn't understand why he why he didn't get uh, called upon at some point.
1: Well, he went with Higuain because uh, and th- th- this is part of the thing about Argentina being stretched out because the second half Aguero is uh, up front is is playing 20-30 metres away from any- anyone else um, so uh uh, Martino's thinking, well, I need some more physical presence there. So he he went for Higuain that's a, because that, of I mean, size.
2: The, uh, On that he, basis alone, physical presence, you, choosing Higuain over Tevez is a mystifying call from my point of view. I mean, Higuain well, re, re, is, is remember, bigger. He's, he's,
1: playing against, he's playing against a small back line, yeah. a backline that's struggling in the air. Um, I, I think it, it's understandable. I think he, he he bit. he must have regretted it bitterly in that last moment of normal time, when Higuain just got there a little bit later, and couldn't get the shot the right side of the, uh, of the post because had Aguero still been on, I think that that, that would have been a goal. But also remember, he's, he's had to burn one substitution early with, with um, Di Maria. And um, the international record of Tevez, is it, it's, it's not even mediocre, it, it, and it's downright poor. Uh, and Martino brought him back towards the end of last year Right, he hasn't given him, I think he's only given him one start, but he's given him plenty of opportunities off, off, off the bench. And again, Tevez has never really done it. I, 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 I tend to the view that, um, that the coach has kind of lost confidence in him. And, and uh, he's, there's three competing for one position, which is Aguero, Higuain, and, and Tevez. And I think we saw very clearly that in the mind of, of, uh, of uh, the coach, Tevez is third choice. And you can't really complain with that on what we've seen in the tournament. Aguero scored three times. Higuain scored twice. Tevez got off the bench a few times but didn't score and hasn't scored for Argentina for, for, for nearly, nearly five years. Um, whether they keep these three, and that, that's a big decision, I think, for the coach now because uh, Higuain, is, is he genuine world-class? And Tevez, at the age that he's got, they've got some interesting young strikers coming through, the likes of Luciano Vieto and so on. So what happens now to, to the Argentina squad? I, I think that's uh, because and they, they did bring a very experienced squad here with the idea of winning it, with the idea of bringing this to an end, you know, bringing this dry run to an end and then then, then starting a new cycle from, from, from a stronger position. So it's a big disappointment, I think, for Argentina that it, it didn't work out for them.
2: Mm. When you look back in the tournament as a whole, uh, Tim, from my uh, point of view, sitting over here many thousands of miles away, uh, there were occasional moments of quality, but quite a lot of aggression and violence as well. Um, <laughs> is, this, is this generally, is it South American football going down the Diego Simeone route over, the next, over this uh, last couple of years?
1: It's the way it is. It's the way it's always been. And I, I, I vividly remember um, the first, when the Copa America was brought back in, in 87, um, there, there were highlights. I'd never left England at the time. I remember watching the highlights of the final, which was Chile again. It was Chile against Uruguay. Uruguay won in the final. And there was no football at all. <laughs> It was just two teams kicking lumps out of each other, and lots of red cards and so on. And it, it was a big moment in me watching this because I'd always assumed that the problems had been the South Americans against the Europeans, um, you know, different conceptions of football of what what was acceptable and what wasn't. And I saw clearly in that game, the final, the eighty-seven final, that the, 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 there was another dimension to this. It was it was the the, 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 the South American school is a hard school, and, it, and it, it's cleaner than it was then, but you're still Playing at and past the limits so often, there was a, a, a situation in one of the games. I think it was Argentina against Colombia, where uh, Aguero uh, and Messi thought they'd, they'd got a foul and were, were, were complaining about the, the rough tactics that they were on, on the end of. And the referee, the Mexican referee, apparently, he said to Aguero, "Well, th- this is th- this, this is America, <laughs> you know, this is South America. You've got to get used to it, <laughs> you know." Th- so uh, it, it is a it's 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 a, it's a tough game here. Um, And it's a game where people are, are looking to take advantage wherever they can. And the, 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 the games in Europe often flow so much better because there are so few fouls, you know, and the, the game, the games are often played in a better spirit. And we saw an example. Do you remember the uh, the Paris Saint Germain Chelsea games in the, uh, the the Champions League this year? Oh yeah. I was watching that and thinking, this is the Libertadores. This is a <laughs> South American game. This is everyone trying to get everyone else sent off all the time. The kind of thing that we see in in, in and the, the Libertadores can be like this. It, it can be a kind of free for all. So uh, unfortunately, that that's uh, that, that's a side of, uh, of, of of South American football.
2: Well, I wonder, though, do you think that might have the, the sort of hardness of it or the the ruthlessness of it uh, has anything to do with the fact that, you know, when you think of all the best attacking players in the world, I mean, there was Sanchez who, who scored the winning penalty last night, but, you know, Suarez, Messi, Aguero, um, Tevez wasn't even good enough to get into that game last night, apparently, and um, might it have something to do with the fact that they grow up in this extraordinarily um, uncompromising, let's say, uh, environment? If you want to, if you really want to make it to the top as an attacking player, there you're going to have to uh, be prepared for all eventualities in a way which maybe um, guys playing, you know, in Danish youth football, uh, are never quite exposed to.
1: Yeah, and especially the ones who've come up through informal kind of street football street park wasteland football and some of them have been playing for money from the age of about 10 11 you know so uh, they're, they're, they're hard hardened people um, and uh, you know one of my favorite quotes about football is it's, it's a universal language that we speak with different accents but that ruthlessness and and, 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 and that hardness and especially with with the skillful young players, um, because they're playing, if, in informal football, they're playing at the age of, because they're so good, they're playing at the age of like 13 against 15, 16, 17-year-olds. Uh, and and sometimes, you know, they're, they're not the biggest. They're, they're just more skillful. So they've got to come up with a little bit of ruthlessness as a, as a self-defense strategy. Now, what we're seeing in Brazil is something else happening because uh, a street park wasteland football has been under attack in Brazil. You still see it, but in the big cities, it's been under attack from urban expansion, and also from uh, just urban violence. So the way that Brazil produced its kids is, is, is more through futsal. You know, you get them into, a, into a, a sanitized, secure environment in futsal, and that means that there's a referee always present. And you can see that clearly in Neymar. You know, Neymar, a player who's been a hothouse, who's come up through through that way, there's a referee always present. So the presence of a referee is absolutely fundamental to the way that Neymar plays. And he's looking for protection from the referee all the time because he's going he's going to ground all the time looking for fouls. Uh, and uh, the, the way he plays, there is inevitably friction with the referee, which ended up getting him banned from uh, from the rest of the competition in the Copa America. Whereas someone like Tevez, you know, he's coming up play, play, playing, playing street football. Tevez can find his own self-defense strategy and doesn't need the referee so much.
2: That's brilliant stuff, uh, Tim, as always. Thanks so many for joining us from Santiago today.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
2: Tim Vickery there uh, in Santiago and interested to see that, uh, in fact, no, in Argentina, everybody does think Lionel Messi is a uh, fraud charlatan. Uh, (laughs) uh, It's basically no good, uh, you know, scoring all those goals, winning the Champions League, inspiring your team to the final. If you then don't win the final as well, come back to me when you have won the final, is Argentina's message to Lionel Messi. personally, I think that's a little bit harsh. Mm. Although I suppose you know, for the guy that seems to have everything, maybe it's important for the rest of us to feel as though we can still keep something back from that guy. Yeah. I mean, maybe there is a sense in which little Messi would start to just become a little bit annoying. You know, if if uh,
0: well, yeah, but the same you are saying, if he, you know, he'd be even more annoying if uh, the people from his home country uh, loved him and mm. like they really should love him though i mean th- this isn't really something we should be having a debate about yeah you know it's kind of like saying you know, the i mean it's, it's stating the obvious that argentinians should love him really yeah. given how really terrible the other players have played in both the world cup and now in the copa as well
2: i bet they probably love higuain more they can relate to higuain's uh, anguish i think it's, a
0: lot of people could relate to that penalty anyway I, yeah I can there's re- literally no one thinking well he still hit that a little better than I could. You know, Diana Ross, maybe. Diana Ross is looking at that penalty going, wow, he really struck that. He really hit that. He blasted that. Everyone else in the world is thinking, yeah, I could I could probably have done that.
2: What does the addiction players have to think? I mean, I'm thinking of Rocco's penalty as well in the shootout against uh, Colombia. I mean, Rocco, again, one of those ones where you think, yeah, this guy is going to think he's probably going to overpower around the placement here. <laughs> Well, you know, there, there can be too much power. Uh, you can use too much power in a situation like that. But, you know, let's not expend any more power on this. We are uh, we're done. This is the Irish Times uh, Second Captain's Football podcast uh, coming to you a little earlier than usual. As I said, Women's World Cup final reaction in our other show when that match has actually taken place, which it hasn't just yet. Um, but until then, Kieran, I thank you.
0: Good man, Ken. Thank you.
2: And I thank you, too, for listening. And we'll talk to you soon. Good luck.
1: That's the second time
2: it done gone on. They never go home. They never go home. They never
1: go home, those guys. Those, those Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter.